it's impressive to me with Odell Hagens that he has done what he has for decades at a high level, right? I mean, just decades of production at that level, which is very hard to do. There is no one, I can't imagine another person that bleeds more garnet and gold than Odell Hagens. That guy is Florida State. He bleeds garnet and gold. Uh, it's going to be a sad day when he retires. It's third and all. We came together, all three of us reaching for one common goal. This is our show. Listen, you might get perspective of something that you didn't know. We gonna go all the way real with the topics. When you see Witty P. Austin and Crockett, pressure good blisters, we stay in the pocket. Picture the run of the quarterback option. Organic process, listen and watch us. Everyone welcome. This is our casa. First and goal. Second, we throw. Short a few yards. Third and no. What's up, what's up, what's up? Cry, Phil, what's up? What's up? What's happening? Why do I feel like this is our 89th show? (laughs) It's been a long off-season. It's been a long long off-season. That is so true. That is so true. All right, let's jump in, man. Um, To kick things off today, as we're heading summer months, there are a couple things that may or may not happen this year, this summer specifically, with football team that we love, Florida State. How about Mr. Destin Hill, Phil? Is that a summer surprise? Is Destin Hill going to show up this summer and be a 85 member of the roster for Florida State this fall? Thoughts? I won't believe it until I see it. That's my feelings on Destin Hill. I won't believe it till I see it. I, I, I'm leaning Whoa, more. whoa, whoa, whoa. Pause. Cop out answer. It's a yes I, or no. Believe it when I see it. I mean, anybody can say that. Give me an I, answer. No, I don't think we're going to see him. I just, I don't believe it. We're going on two years since he committed and was supposed to be on campus, right? I've never seen a player that didn't go the JUCO route, not play football for two years on anybody's team. Nobody's heard or seen of Destin Hill in the world of Instagram and Twitter. Not true. Nobody has heard a peep. Not true. Out of this man, outside of the coaching staff. I don't believe it. Greedy Vance. First of all, Greedy ain't saying nothing about Destin until he committed to Florida State. So I don't believe him either. Mm. So right now I'm leaning towards no. No, I'm going with no. No. Crock, listen, you you have your thoughts on Mr. Hill. I'd love to hear them. Where do we go with the wide receiving core? Better yet, if he does make it, is he in the rotation? Let me first start off by saying, Phil, keep that negative energy over there, okay? (laughs) We're looking at this thing from a positive point of view. Destiny Hill will be here. I'm speaking it into existence, man. I'm claiming it. Will he contribute at some point of the season? Yes. I think when we look at that wide receiver room, nobody can get open. Wow. Um, and he has the ability from the film that we've seen to get open. He was What's, the player that was supposed to be getting open last year. He was the highest rated offensive recruit, right? Exactly. I think that with Destin Hill, two things that I think we have to take with a grain of salt. Number one, those highlight film we saw from high school, about 23 years old now, and they were shot on this grainy, you know, they had the big camcorder on their shoulder to get that footage. So I don't know how much I can trust that. (laughs) The second thing is, so that's why I questioned a little bit his, his uh, ability, because that was not even a high def footage because they didn't have high def back then. 
The second thing I would say is if he does make it on campus, I lean more toward you, Croc, than you feel uh, regarding him making it. I'm kind of thinking that if he does make it, he's going to be a grown ass man by the time he steps on the field. He'll be 29 uh, and, and with a grown man body, not somebody coming straight out of high school. So as a result, I don't think he makes it on campus. I think he it, it will be interesting if he does. I will love to know the backstory as to what happened here, right? Like, how does someone miss falling off the face of the planet for two years? Seemingly, the coaching staff is is still positive about him coming, which is interesting. Why not just set you know set your eyes on a different target? But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's going to make it. It'll be an, a great surprise if he does. Right? He'll be in the fold. All right. It would be a surprise, yes, if he does. But if he does, do we really expect someone who hasn't played football in two years to contribute? Man, he's going to come in looking Marcus like Jordan Antoine did Bowles. it. Hey, hey, okay. Marcus All Jordan right. was away for basketball. He came back. <laughs> right. Listen, at, at worst. compare Destin Hill to the GOAT? <laughs> at worst. At worst, we're asking him to go on go routes. Goes in and bubble screens. All right? He's fast. He's twitch. He has size. Man, he's yes, he will be here and he will contribute. So with Destin Hill still being a question mark, there's still another potential summer surprise that's out there, right? Phil, actually, I'm gonna go to you, Croc, first. When when you talk about the possibility coming on that that is a question mark, albeit completely different circumstances. Nobody knows what's happening with Hill, right? What do you think about Antavius Woody? Is he going to make it? That's a little more hit or miss. Like, I don't know about that one. I have my doubt there. But you know what? I'm feeling positive today. He'll be two in for the two? also. Two for two. Two man. for two. Okay. Christmas in June. Christmas in June. We're going to get both of these guys. And if we get Woody again, I believe that's going to just shore up our O-line. We're starting to get back into that right place where we can actually block up plays. When speaking about additions in June, Destin Hill being a possible, albeit completely different circumstances, what is your take on Antavius Woody, Croc? I think Woody makes it in. I'm feeling positive about this offseason, and we're just going to stay positive tonight. Two for one, Christmas in June, and we're going to shore up our offensive line and make sure the offensive line takes a step in the right direction, a bigger step. Now, this one I agree with you on, Croc. I think Destin Hill is a huge question mark just because nobody knows the situation that kept him from enrolling with his class, right? Antavius Woody, the question mark I have around him, and I do agree with you, I think he makes it in. But I think in the last couple of years, since Norvell has been here, he has shown a tendency not to bring in question marks when grades are an issue. I think Norvell typically looks at kids who are going to make it in academically. They fit the culture. They're the athletes, et cetera, et cetera. So think about it. I don't think we've had many academic casualties during Norvell or even those that were questionable. And I think this is the first one. But I think for Norvell to have considered him, he was close already. He just had to finish up in the classroom and do what he had to do. So again, on this one, I agree with you. I think Woody does make it in the class. What I don't know, and maybe I disagree with you here, is that he becomes offensive lineman. Because I think Odell may get his hands on him and decide that he may be a defensive tackle. That may be where he projects at at the next level. Phil, what do you think? I agree 
with both of you to an extent. I think he does make it in. He posted a pretty positive Instagram post the other day that he's pretty much almost through the red tape as far as the grades go. So I believe he'll be on campus. I think a smart thing Norvell did to your point about questionable players as far as grades and stuff goes, he pretty much didn't allow Woody to sign on National Signing Day. He pretty much told him, once your grades are straight, then you have a scholarship. And we've seen in the past where we'll give a kid a scholarship and he doesn't qualify. So now he has to go the JUCO route. And so I think Norvell did a good job of avoiding that whole debacle there. Early on in the recruiting process, though, one thing that Woody was kind of on the line about was he wanted to play defense. And Florida State, they stood tall and told him, you know, we love you, we love your talent. But if you're here, you're going to be on the O-line. So I think early on, he'll start on the offensive side of the ball. He'll add depth to that room. I'll say if we see him on the defensive line, it's because he gets passed up over a couple of years or they just feel like it's not working. Can't you see Odell say, hey, hey, 59, come over here. <laughs> I mean, I can see, uh, you know, I can see him looking right at Atkins and be like, hey, 59 is over here with me. In that, in that, in that, in that Odell voice. Uh, I, can, I, can I agree with that. I agree with that. So listen, if we get – one of two, that's a positive development. We can't go over two on these two. Hope not. Right, right? Like, I just hope that that doesn't happen. Oh, let's switch gears for just a second. In the course of our lifetime, a lot of Florida State players go on to produce in the NFL. Currently, who is your favorite former Florida State player that is currently on an NFL roster? Projected, obviously, season's a couple months away, but who's expected to be on a roster next season? I'm going to let you take that one first. Me? Yeah, I'm going to let you go it's, first. It's, it's easy for me, man. I will say up front that I'm not a fan of an NFL team. I typically follow Florida State players in the league, right? So, you know, I will try to catch Rams games, obviously, with Akers and Ramsey. I just kind of follow where the players are just to see how everybody's doing. For me, it's actually pretty easy. And and because of my proximity to New Orleans, it's currently Winston. Has to be. And everyone loves the redemption story. Coming back from the torn ACL last year in a year where after he sat out a year, taking over for Breeze, and he looked good. And now he's got offensive weapons that he has never had in his NFL career coming into the 2022 season in New Orleans. So I'm really excited to see how Winston does this coming up season. Croc, what do you think? First, salute. I mean, that's a great pick. National champion, Heisman Trophy. Um, and if he finds a way to not throw the, you know, so many interceptions, you're talking about Pro Bowl, MVP, well, maybe not MVP, but great, great numbers. So great pick. I'm torn. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Derwin James. He's my favorite. Noel. I love, I love how he plays the game, the energy he brings to the table, professionalism, and he's just reliable. He's dependable. So, yeah, that's my guy, man. Hey, seems to me that people in, in uh, San Diego really are fans of his. He's carved out a little thing down in Southern California. And, uh, and perhaps he's having such great success because, like myself, you know, I, I once lived in San Diego. So maybe that oh, has something to do with did it. Did you just compare yourself to Derwin James Jr.? In a, in a way. In a way, I was kind of Derwin-ish. <clears throat> it's a lot of comparisons going on tonight. Go ahead, That's, Phil. Uh, go ahead. I, I saw your displeasure. Uh, yeah, head, yeah. Just real quick. Very for, animated. It was for very people animated. who can't. So we again, we see each other, right? Everyone is just hearing our voice. But when you said Derwin James, I thought 
Phil was going to fall out of his chair as he threw his hands in the sky, just in disbelief. And I mean, he was in such a state of shock when you said that. Phil, let me hear what you what was going through your mind in that moment. And then I want to hear who your current favorite NFL. Is. <clears throat> what was going through my mind in that moment was that I had this great speech planned out for why Duran James was my favorite. But that's did okay. Not see that. Did not see that coming. Did not see that coming. See, 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 I have a little, I have a few surprises. I have a few surprises. My favorite to watch. Now, uh, similar to you, I follow, I keep up with all the no's. For me, I have to go Jalen Ramsey, though, just because even though they beat my Bucks in the playoffs, the dominance, man. When you watch Jalen Ramsey, it reminds you of old school Florida State, right? You have the physicality, the athleticism, the trash talking, uh, pure dominance. It's I'm better than you. And if you beat me or if you have a good day or even a good play, you're you're going to work for it. And he's the best in the game to know you're the best in the game and you hail from DBU. I mean, you have to look forward to watching that. Man, that's a great pick. Let me I want to clarify. And I thought about this. If you know, I said anticipated on a roster this year. Granted, Jameis will be on a roster. However, if his injury mm-hmm. was preventing him from being, say, a, D, a day one starter, my number two would have been the newly minted number four for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, switching from 33 back to four, Dalvin is that guy. He's proven it year over year. If he stays healthy, he is an elite NFL running back. Agree. Running, catching, speed. Like the guy is just an elite. He can go outside of the tackle with speed. He's strong enough to go through the tackles. That was going to be my number one pick, save Jameis. Jameis is it. Dalvin is a close number two. So that that gives a little taste of, you know, former Knowles that are in the in the league right now. I want to do a quick – we've never discussed this. What is your favorite non-football seminal? So pick a sport that is not football that's tied to Florida State, and let's hear your thoughts there. I'm going to say Sam Cassell is going to be my pick. When I think about those days when Florida State had a, a decent team, you know, we had our time where the basketball program was was not contending. But under Sam Cassell, they made a run to the Sweet 16, no? They did. Right. So, and, and I just appreciated the way he conducted himself as a student athlete and then on, on a professional level at the Rockets. He just found a way to get it done. He's he he always looked like an old head. He had an old head game, a veteran game, even as a rookie. And I appreciated how he he brought his lunch box to work every day. He clocked in, and you were going to get get it all. I want to insert a story here. This goes back 20 years ago. A guy that I was working with in Tallahassee was going to a Houston Rockets game. And at the Houston Rockets game, he got there early enough to see the shoot-around. He uh, called out to Sam Cassell, and when Sam, during the shoot-around, turned around, he gave him the chop, and Sam Cassell laughed and chopped back at him, right? So a little Florida State connection at the Houston Rockets game. Right after that, Hakeem Olajuwon noticed what was happening, and he walked over to my friend in the stands, and he had his kids with him. And obviously, that's a big deal, right? Like, Hakeem was was legit, Hall of Famer, et cetera. But he walked up and he said, do you know this guy? And obviously, I'm not even going to attempt Hakeem Olajuwon's accent. And, and he said, yeah, Florida State, great, blah, blah, blah. He said, no, I don't know about Florida State basketball, but I do know ugliest man in NBA. And then, <laughs> and then he turned around and walked off. So 
That's that's a funny Sam Cassell story that was relayed to me that Hakeem Olajuwon just highlighted your your pick as the ugliest man in the NBA. Phil, who do I mean, you also have? for comparison? <clears throat> y'all is both ball headed at the same age, bro. Phil, so just because like, you happen to be the only one in here with hair, like, that that's just like that's also a good comparison. Unnecessary, unnecessary. Eddie Wap, boy. Eddie Wap. <laughs> I'm going with Jonathan Isaac. Okay. I'm okay. going with Jonathan Isaac. Oh, you're Orlando Magic fan. <laughs> <That's what happened. laughs> oh, wow. You poor, you poor thing. You Go ahead. Dang. The disrespect tonight is just overrunning. Um, <laughs> no, because for what I do follow with Florida State basketball, uh, we won't get into the reasons why, but I do keep up with Florida State basketball. And I think Leonard Hamilton was putting solid teams together. They were making Sweet 16 runs. They were great defensive teams. but Selfless, selfless teams. Yeah, they, they were, but they never really got there just due as far as the national media went. He was always that guy who took the underperforming high school players. He might get a five-star here and there that didn't really get too much pub or whatever the case may be. But Jonathan Isaac was his highest rated recruit that he brought in. And it's not just that he came to Florida State to play basketball. It's how selfless he was when he stepped on that court. He was most definitely the most gifted player on the court almost every night they suited up. But the only thing he cared about was playing defense and winning. And I think that helped take Leonard Hamilton's program to a whole nother level. (laughs) Truthfully, you started to see more higher rated recruits, uh, if not come to Florida State, give Florida State a a real look and, and real interest. I think that, you know, what he's done since he's gotten to the NBA, um, not so much on the court, but also just off the court, as far as just being his own individual. I think for me that he, right now he's my favorite non-football known. That's a great point. He brought up, I mean, he was the first of three big recruits, right? I mean, you had him, then you had Pat Williams, and then you had Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, yeah. Uh, shout out to the, the most recent NBA rookie of the year. That's a big one. I'm going to cheat a little bit here, guys, and I'm going to get, I'm, I have a tie. I have a tie. My first is Buster Posey. Because I remember watching him. I had um, a friend who was on the team at the same time Buster Posey was. And everything that he ever said about Buster Posey was he was just a, a great guy, right? Like, uh, not a lot of shenanigans. Just, just always working on his craft. I mean, who in baseball, collegiate Division One baseball, is, is tough, right? Like, that's not – that's an elite – you're an elite status in that position. He played all nine positions in a game. Think about that. My man caught, which he went on to do productively in the, the Major League Baseball. And, you know, he just recently retired. Potential Hall of Fame career in, in, in professional baseball. He played all nine positions. Pitch, caught, all infield positions, all outfield positions in a single game, which is just unreal to be to be trusted to do that. So that's the reason I think that he's he's in there for one of them. The second, and, and recency biased for me, is not an issue here even though it is somebody new, but man, I got to know Trent Forrest's dad through a work relationship. And he was telling me about his son who played baseball, et cetera, or played, played all the sports, but played basketball. And I said, yeah, he's kind of, he's getting looked at at Florida state. And, and I knew that he had some familial ties to Florida state with obviously his uncle being amply. So 
when he was still at Chipley High School, I started following Trent. I actually went to a game where he, uh, Chipley High, played South Walton High School. And Trent actually sat out that game because it was later in the year. South Walton was not very good. And, and he was resting, just kind of taking a break before Chipley went on to the, the tournament. But I followed him all through it. What an incredible player he was at Florida State. You talk about a model of consistency that what he did while at Florida State and then, you know, being in the league, you know, playing for the Utah Jazz presently was on the playoff roster, just had some great plays at Florida State and very memorable, just a clutch player. So he is he's probably my number one with Buster being a tie for it, but it's one A, one B, Trent and Buster. All right, guys, we're getting kind of close on time here. Let's let's do one more topic. Again, this will be in the spectrum of of all time Florida State football. Who is your favorite Florida State assistant coach? I'll jump out there. The greatest defensive coordinator to ever be on the sidelines in college football, the one and only Mickey Andrews. I mean, that to me is the best assistant coach we had. Just a legend, stand-up guy. You talk about being able to motivate young men to bring their best, not just their best performance, but he allowed them to bring the energy, you know, that is needed to dominate. And it was exciting football. <laughs> Those were some exciting days to see uh, Florida State's defense just fly around the field. So respect to Mickey Andrews is great. I can't, I can't argue that at all. Phil, what do you say? I'm going to go with Jeff Bowden. <clears throat> I'm just playing. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> wow. Crock, you said Petty you Phil. said you said you were going to keep it positive today. Apparently, that was oh, not man. on Phil's agenda. Um, <laughs> your not the not the full name. Um, wow, so uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Odell Higgins. I think that coming off of that Mickey Andrews tree, I'm playing for him, um, getting to grow and develop under him, and then getting into coaching. Um, he embodies everything that Bobby Bowden and Mickey Andrews were about, how they lived, how they believed in these young men and <clears throat> wanted them to be young men and go out into the world and, and do great things, whether that was uh, on the field or in regular life. And recently, through the tough times we've gone through from Jimbo to Willie to Mike, the one steady hand we've had has been Odell, right? And he stepped up when he's been called upon, whether that was to interim coach, whether that was to help get players back on board with whoever the new coach was coming in um, to keep them bought in. In those times, he's just been a rock for this program in a time where there's been a lot of inconsistency. I don't think it's by accident that both of the folks you mentioned are tied together. Right. Odell, absolutely. To your point, learn from Mickey Andrews. Um, Mickey Andrews set a set a certain uh, level of of expectation for Florida State coaches on the defensive side of the ball. Um, obviously, Odell picked that up and carried it through his coaching career. It's, it's impressive to me with Odell Hagans that he has done what he has for decades at a high level. Right. I mean, just decades of production at that level, which is very hard to do. There is no one, I can't imagine another person that bleeds more garnet and gold than Odell Hagans. That guy is Florida State. He bleeds garnet and gold. Uh, it's going to be a sad day when he retires. I, I would be happy for him because I know he wants nothing more than to fish for the rest of his <laughs> life. <laughs> you know, I think 
uh, that that is his goal is to hang it up and fish. I had a cool opportunity several years ago at a, in a Tampa terminal waiting on a flight to catch a flight with with Coach Higgins. And, and he and I were both at the gate early and got a chance to chat for about an hour. Uh, just he and I sitting there. And that was it was a cool interaction. And that's kind of what he told me. He said, man, I just I just want to work long enough to save enough money. Uh, he said, I'm still having fun with what I do. But as soon as I hang up, I just want to fish. <laughs> that's what I want to do. So shout out to Coach Higgins and continue to do that at a high level. Funny story about, uh, to your point, Croc, with Mickey Andrews, all of us, anybody listening to this podcast, if you've been a Florida State fan for more than five years, you know who Mickey Andrews is. And if you close your eyes and visualize Mickey Andrews, right? I, I will ask people listening, close your eyes, think about Mickey Andrews. What do you see? You see him chewing on something. That is it, right? So I had an opportunity. This is a few years ago. Uh, they were having a football watch party near where I live. And, and Coach Andrews was a guest of honor that evening. And, and so he was kind of engaging with the crowd. And man, <laughs> I asked Coach Andrews, I said, Coach, I have to know what were you, what were you chewing on? I was holding my daughter and she had her little blankie and he kind of jokingly before he answered, he tried to grab her, her blankie. And she looked at him like, who the hell are you? And pulled back that, that blankie. Like nobody's touching this thing. I said, coach, that's ball security. And he got a good chuckle out of that. But he told me any guesses. What do you think it was? That he was chewing on croc. Sunflower seeds. Sunflower seeds, Phil? What do you think, Rock? That's what I would have thought, but the way you set this up, it clearly cannot be sunflower seeds, so I'm clueless. Okay, so now this is what he told me, but it could have also been what he wanted me to believe, too, right? Because I've also heard that it was red man or tobacco, which you could see that. Of course, you never saw him. Well, he spit. I think he spit every sentence he said. Uh, but I do think what he told me was big red gum. And he said that he had a graduate assistant that was responsible for making sure that he always had a fresh pack for the second half. Wow. And with that level of detail, I yeah. kind of found it hard to refute it. Got to believe it. Got to. So for anybody who was curious, if you close your eyes and visualize Mickey Andrews <laughs> and know that he was chewing on something from his mouth, it was Big Red Gum. Big Red. I am going to co-sign on both of your picks. I think both Odell Hagens and Mickey Andrews, there's a third choice that could have been considered. Can I throw a third, uh, my second? Let's hear it. And if it's mine, I'm not, I'm going to co-sign all three. So let's it's do kinda, it. It's kind of a cheat answer. Jimbo Fisher. That's a respectable answer. I will allow that. I mean, he. What about Mark Reed? Phil, you should appreciate Jimbo after your joke. What about Mark Reed? After the, the Jeff Bowden joke. I don't think. uh so, so he, can I say my other one? I wasn't sure. going to say Jimbo. My other one was going to be Brad Scott because Brad Scott was the offensive coordinator that developed the running gun, the Charlie Ward fast break offense that, that really led to the first national championship and, and really, in my mind, to a degree, changed college football because he was, he was on a, a precursor to the current <clears throat> offense. And so I, I would say Brad Scott as my number two. Jimbo was a good choice. Though. I didn't even think about that. Kind of a, That's a good one. That's, that's a good, good one. one. But, but for me, you can't go wrong with Odell or Mickey as choices there. All right, guys. Ready to wrap this up? No. Bill, until next time. Until next time.